I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. Welcome to Modern Whittle, a great show this week. Stacy Francis of Francis Financial is joining us to talk about all things financial, especially for Whittles. Before we bring on Stacy, Fran, you know what time it is. It's time for weekend shenanigans and notable events. Well, talk about notable events. Wow, I have had several since our last episode. Um, I flew to Arizona and that's why I, well, that's where I am right now. Um, I'm going to be here three weeks. We went to the Phoenix Open, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is actually called the People's Open anymore because it's about the exact opposite of the sedateness of the Masters Tournament. Talk about crazy shenanigans. There were quite a few while we were there. We have now hiked and walked almost 30 miles at this point, and my hip is thanking me. It is doing very well, and I think it's getting used to the fact that it's going to get a lot of wear and tear. Most special, as far as where I am staying, is I get a coyote serenade every night right in back of the house. I have more exciting things coming up, and I will report on those next episode. Wow, Fran, the coyote serenade is quite interesting. Oh, yeah, and you see them too. I went into purging mode big time this last week, took many things to various consignment shops, and Fran, I decided that I am a minimalist in a maximum sort of way. Also, explain. <laughs> well, I have all this stuff, but I'm trying not to think that there's a lot of it. You know what I mean? You're trying to convince yourself that it's not that much. That's right. Also, I did my new thing for the week last night. I went to the local pub with a friend and we played bingo for a charity event. Now, I have played bingo before and I've been to charity events before, but I've never played bingo at a charity event before. So I think that counts as my new experience for the week. Oh, it absolutely does. Thank you. And that's all I'm going to say about that. We are welcoming back Stacy Francis, president and CEO of Francis Financial, which she founded nearly 20 years ago. She's a certified financial planner, certified estate and trust specialist, certified divorce financial analyst, and a certified grief recovery specialist, where she received in-depth training to effectively help those grieving a loss. Stacy is also the founder of Savvy Ladies, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating women and empowering them to take control of their finances. Stacy is a nationally recognized financial expert, and her expertise is highlighted in over 200 media outlets, including Barron's Investment News, The Wall Street Journal, and Money Magazine, just to name a few. We are so fortunate to have Stacy back on the show. Stacy, welcome to Modern Whittle. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Let's start off by talking about the team that you mentioned that we should have in place after the death of a loved one. Well, thank you so much, Fran. Many times for women right after a loss, it's just a tsunami of financial decisions. It can be absolutely overwhelming. One of the things I would say that's very helpful is putting a support team in place, a group of professionals that can help identify the gaps 
in your finances, in your estate planning and all of those pieces and help support you moving forward to be able to recover from the profound grief that you're feeling. Like who would make up that team? The people that you would make up that team, a lot of them are not going to be surprising. An estate planning attorney is very important. Also a financial advisor. What's interesting we see is that 80% of women end up leaving their financial advisor within 12 months of their spouse's death. There are many reasons for that. The biggest piece we hear is that they feel like their advisor had more of a relationship with their deceased spouse than they did with them. And they're really looking for someone that really hears them, sees them, listens to them. And then there's another person that I think is a must have that you may not expect a financial advisor to, to speak about, but a grief recovery coach or a therapist that has specialized training in the area of working with individuals going through the trauma of losing a loved one. Those are the three people that I feel like are must haves on your team. For widows who don't have the means, what mm. advice do you have for them? For the vast majority of widows, our income drops significantly. If our spouse was working, the salary and bonuses stop. If they were receiving Social Security, that Social Security stops as well. There are other benefits that you can look at that, to help support and replace that income, but it, it typically is never 100%. So what I recommend, and this is listed out in the Widow Resource Guide, we have a fantastic spreadsheet that you can use to start to get a very clear picture of what your new income is. And we also provide a lot of great information about reaching out to Social Security and pensions and things like that, and what your new expenses are too. I find that being able to get pen to paper and get that information down is so helpful to see Okay, based on this income and these expenses, what is the gap? What is the shortfall? So that we can start to brainstorm ways to fill that gap. Stacey, something from our last interview, something you said in your interview at that time has stuck with me. And that was that widows don't go broke right away, but mm. gradually. That statement is so scary. Why does that happen and how can it be prevented? Fran, it is very scary. We don't go broke the next day. Often there's life insurance money that will help, but the second largest population of women living in poverty over age 65 are widows that are on their own. The first largest population are women who are divorced. And it typically happens over time. Understanding what that gap is, having a clear picture of what your real cash flow is, is the most important step you can take to make sure that you are living a sustainable lifestyle that's going to leave you in a financially secure place, not only today, but also in the future. When we say in the future, for us ladies, you need to be projecting that you're going to live till age 95 at least. And so making sure that if you are tapping your portfolio to fill up that gap, that you're doing so in a sustainable way. One of the rules of thumbs that we use is that you should not be taking out more than 4% of your portfolio. If you are keeping it to that amount, 
you have a very, very, very solid foundation of making sure that that portfolio is there for 30 to 35 years in the future for you still. You're talking 4% a year. Exactly. A lot of widows, their homes become too big or the maintenance becomes too much. And so they sell that property and move into a smaller, maybe an apartment or a condo. It seems like a good idea, but then you lose all those memories. Mm-hmm. You know, that must be a very hard decision to make. What we recommend is that the six months or so after the death of your spouse, just to spend conservatively and not make any big financial decisions like downsizing, giving yourself the blessing of time to see where you are in six months to make a good decision about is moving the right choice for you. Because for many people, there's that gut reaction of, okay, I have to reduce my expending right now. That actually is not true. Six months is not going to make or break your financial situation long-term. It can be a great situation to downsize, but I've also seen mistakes made. Typically those mistakes are very expensive mistakes. I waited a year and a half and ultimately what made me make the final decision, it just finally hit me. I still have a good 20, 25 years ahead of me. I cannot sit here and cry every day because I miss him so badly in this house. I didn't quite downsize. I went from a home to a condo in Michigan, right Mm -hmm. on the lake. It's lovely. I love it. But you know what, Stacy? He never lived in that place with me. So I do not see him in every square inch anymore. And I also hear Fran, understandably moving to a condo where there is more support with maintenance, keeping up the outside, the grass cutting, it can be a lot. And if you've had a division of labor where your spouse was the one who really did all that handiwork, it may not be your cup of tea. And so finding a place where you can keep it up in a way that's comfortable and you've got support to do so can be really important and and key. What if there is no will? What happens? And explain the probate process. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's all within the same uh, look. A good number of individuals don't have a will or or will have what they call their I love you will, which means that if I pass away, everything goes to my spouse. If they pass away, everything comes to me. But the challenge is, is that sometimes there are some things that can happen that can be difficult. If you don't have a will, well, typically everything is going to you, but it could be that you would like some of that money to go to a disabled child. It can be a little tough if there's no will, but if you have been married, typically it's a little easier because Again, like I said, everything is going to transfer to you. Now, anything with a beneficiary to it is going to transfer to you automatically. It's very easy. It passes by that beneficiary to whomever is listed on the account as the beneficiary. It's actually the same thing with any type of property that you own in joint names. And the most Frequently, asset that you see owned in joint names would be a car, a real estate property, the primary home. Now, what you talk about with regards to probate, Sherry, is essentially everything 
outside of that. So something that does not have a beneficiary and is not necessarily held in joint name. The tasks of probate are pretty straightforward, but the process can actually take a good number of months, even a few years. In fact, the um, average amount of time it takes, according to a state exact, is about 16 months to complete. What that is, is essentially the assets are looked upon and they are divided up according to what the will says. If there's not a will, then it goes to the judge and the judge then decides. Well, the good news is, is that most likely, again, those assets go to you. But what I will say as a word to the wise is that if at all possible, try to have beneficiaries or a transfer on death designation to avoid probate. It's very important to update all of your estate planning documents yourself after your spouse has passed away. I would say that within six months is an ideal time. It's not something that you need to worry about that first week, those first few months. There's a, a lot of other more time sensitive things to do. In the Widow Resource Guide, you can see there's actually time frames of the first month do this, second month do this. But you do want to eventually get to updating your estate planning documents for making sure that upon your passing, it's easy for your loved ones. Because you'll see going through this process, if all those I's have not been dotted and those T's crossed, it can be really quite difficult and hard to administer the estate. I think at the mere mention of the word probate, I think that throws a lot of people off. Some people will say, well, it doesn't matter how much you've done. It Everything still has to go through probate. But then somebody will say, make it as easy as possible. So you doesn't have to go to probate. It's very confusing. It can be confusing. And that's why having a trust and estate attorney that you really feel confident about that is knowledgeable is important. And finding a good trust and estate attorney you can go back to the person who drafted your will. So reach out to anyone that you know that maybe has lost a loved one and ask who they used. You can also reach out to your financial advisor and your financial advisor will know the best trust and estate attorneys to work with to help you actually through the probate process and also being able to update your own documents. I think that both men and women, because there are so many second marriages, everyone needs to be brave enough to discuss these type of things before they get married. Is my name going to go on the deed to the house? Are we going to have joint checking accounts? What type of will are you going to have? Because I know of women who were married the second time, and when the husband passed, she was basically booted out of the house. Her name wasn't on the deed. It was the children's name. They got the house. And so here you are with no place to go. And if someone doesn't want to talk about it, that to me is a red flag. Yes, I agree, Sherry. Talking about money and upon my death, how it's going to be divvied up is not a nice to have. It is a must to have especially in now what we consider as our new traditional family, which is at least one party has been in a, a previous marriage. And there are a lot of considerations to think about of not only making sure that the surviving spouse is provided for financially, but also if there are children from a previous marriage, 
that they're provided for. I've seen far too many times when all the assets are left to, let's say, the younger wife and she is maybe only 10 years or 20 years older than his children. And all of a sudden, they're waiting until she passes so that they can get their inheritance. That is not a good uh, dynamic. There are a lot of solutions. Just having a really open conversation with your spouse to make sure that everyone's needs are taken care of and that there's going to be a thoughtful solution, especially in times when you have cases where you have children that are involved. Especially since I thought this statistic was very sad. Half of all women who become widowed in the U.S. are under the age of 59. So you know uh-huh. that many of them are going to remarry. The other scary statistic, not even scary, it was mind-boggling that 80% of men die married, 80% of women die single. I gave that statistic to somebody the other day and they go, what? That can't be Mm -hmm. right. It's interesting. I just wrote an article for Kiplinger's about this and there's two reasons for why women tend to, to die alone and their spouse predeceased them. Number one, we, we typically outlive men. Also, in many marriages, you know, the female partner is younger. Not, not always. If you're three years younger than your spouse, which I am, I could be looking at living on my own after he passes away. Six to eight years could be even more if I live really healthy or he dies prematurely. What does that mean? Well, I feel like it means three things. Number one, it's not a nice to to be involved with the finances. You have to. Eight out of 10 women at some point in their life are going to be solely responsible for their finances. And if you're not prepared, it not only will be overwhelming, but you could unfortunately make some financial mistakes that are very difficult to recover from. So that's the first piece. Number two piece is to make sure that If your spouse does pass away, that you have life insurance and assets in place to make sure that you're going to be okay. And the third one is one that we don't really want to talk about, but women are the biggest users of long-term care. And long-term care is not you broke a hip and you go to physical therapy after your operation and you get back on your feet in four to five months. It's more so the type of care that can be financially disastrous where you are dealing with dementia or a critical illness that you can't recover from. Instead of skilled care, where it's physical therapy or occupational therapy, it's more care on the custodial of bathing, eating. For a lot of women, it's important to look at long-term care insurance. For a good number of women, that is important because their spouse isn't there to take care of them. But we're around when our spouses get sick and we take care of them. I think we all have the ultimate hope that we can remain in our homes until we die. If it's a matter of getting some daily help or some daily meals delivered or once or twice a week having someone come in uh, just to do some low maintenance things. We know a lot of friends whose parents have lingered with dementia or cancer. No one wants that. It's a reality anymore. 
It is a reality and it's very expensive to the tune of 10 to even $12,000 a month for that care. Yes, it's really important to understand if you do need long-term care insurance, understand what it's going to cover, what it's not going to cover, both the pros and, and cons of that. Stacy, is there any good news regarding the tax issue this year for widows? Regarding taxes, you can, the year of your spouse passing away, you still will get preferential tax treatment. Essentially, your tax brackets will be at a lower amount for a few years. But then eventually, you need to file as a single. If you have children who are dependent on you, then you can reach out to your accountant. You may be able to file what's called head of household, which also has very advantageous tax rates. So those are some things to think about. And for many people, it's their first time filing a tax return on their own for many years. So I definitely encourage you to meet with a good accountant to see what you should be filing as and making sure that you're choosing the most advantageous tax rate. One of the big things that's going on in Michigan is all the talk of switching back to pension income not being taxed, which there are a lot of states that if you move to that state or from another state, they do not tax your pension. Michigan does not do that. They do tax your pension. There's a lot of talk right now. If you're lucky enough to have a pension coming in, it sounds like we might be getting some relief here shortly on that, which I'm sure a lot of people will welcome. I'm glad that you brought up pensions, friend, because for a good number of people with their spouse receiving a pension, it's important to understand what the payout option you and your spouse chose. Often we click that box when the payout starts and we don't quite remember what we picked. And you wanna reach out to the pension provider to understand, will that benefit increase at, stay the same at 100% or will it reduce? And the most frequent elections we see is to receive either 100%, 75%, or only 50% of the pension. In a few cases, we unfortunately uncovered that the choice that was chosen was not continuing, and they actually chose that the surviving spouse would receive nothing. For the vast majority of people, it will be either 175 or 50%. And it's very important to, again, understand what that new pension payout is, because that is going to be very important as you figure out what your new monthly income is going to be. And that goes back to, you have got to be able to talk about these things openly. What I encourage, I do this with my spouse as well. We have financial date nights once a month. And we're a little different. I'm the person who is doing the long-term investing, the financial planning, and the tax planning. My husband is actually doing all the bill paying. So we're a little reversed in that way. But he knows every single account that we have, the balance of it. He also has all the usernames and passwords to be able to log into them. He has the information about where our will is, our healthcare proxies, our power of attorney, all of that information so that he knows exactly what to do and where everything is. And I have the same things in place for my son. I only have one child and he knows exactly where to find everything and who to contact and a list of all the accounts and all of that. I could not leave home without knowing that that was all in place. It doesn't sound like it's 
an exciting thing to do, but if you love your loved ones, you have to do this, whether you're in a partnership with someone or you want to leave this to your surviving children. And so the more you can do to make it easy for them, the more you're showing your love. The Financial Help for Widows, a complete resource guide. It is such a wonderful guide. How can listeners connect with you and receive the guide? I'm happy to give you a copy if you want to put in the show notes, but also you can go to www.francisfinancial.com. It's actually right there on the homepage and we'll send you a copy. It actually comes electronically, so it'll be in your inbox very easily. And it has fantastic resources and worksheets and also some important information from other women who have been in the position of losing a spouse of what to do and where they may good decisions and they also are authentic and kind enough to share where they maybe didn't make the right decision. But all this information is given with love and support. And we are here for anyone that has questions or needs any handholding through this process. Stacy, once again, this has been a wonderful podcast with you. We are so lucky to have you on our show periodically. And thank you so much for being a part of Modern Widow. Thank you, Sherry, and thank you, Fran. And I'm giving a huge hug to all of you listening out there. Thank you so much, Stacey. I know that some people think that once the first few years are have passed after your spouse dies, that it's kind of clear sailing. But the things that you raise in the guide, it is really, really good to revisit them every so often. Thank you. No, I agree. And the thing about your finances, I feel like the most wonderful way we can show ourselves self-love is making sure that we're on a good, secure financial track. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. A big thank you to Stacy Francis of Francis Financial for being on our show this week. Love having Stacy talk to us about all things finance. Of course, we always want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to write a comment, our email address is modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. Again, modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at Modern Whittle Podcast. You can listen to our podcast on the following apps. Anchor, Spotify, Breakers, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. Stay tuned for our next episode when we bring sexy back. You will not want to miss it, folks. Today's closing is more of a passage than a quote. I think we all need to think about it. It was so nice. I actually saved it for myself. This is the beginning of a new day. You have been given this day to use as you will. You can waste it or use it for good. What you do today is important because you're exchanging a day of your life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. In its place is something that you have left behind. Let it be something good. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.